In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by digital music marketing expert Fahim Smith, man. Me and Fahim, like I said, I've known each other quite a few years. We actually met overseas at the Medem Conference in Cannes, France, and has always kind of kept in touch since then. And uh, what I love about Fahim, man, is he, he really is focused on the digital marketing space and really focused on how to help creatives navigate through uh, you know, ads and, and things of that nature, which is not my expertise. Uh, so we got a chance to get into his story and his love for hip-hop and him starting out as, a, as an artist, but then also really figuring out early on that he wanted to really be on the business side. And so he he started out working and doing music promotion and things like that and ended up building street teams that led to him, you know, building his own companies and getting accounts with, you know, major record labels like Duck Down Records. But ultimately he decided to also leave the music space alone for a while and go into the corporate space working with brands like BET, you know, Nike, things like companies like that and taking his skill sets there, uh, but ultimately decided to come back to the music space in 2014 and really, like I said, focus on the digital marketing space and and really understanding and seeing the industry move in that space and wanted to be good, make a difference and help creatives. So uh, this is a great episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, episode number 69. And I'm with a very special guest today. I'm with my guy, my colleague, my homie, my friend, my man Fahim Smith. How you doing? Strike First Entertainment. You're breaking up. Oh, you're breaking up. Can you hear me? I hear you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of froze for a minute, but I hear you now. Okay, cool, cool, cool. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. And yourself? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, you and I go back several years, um, and it's cool to just have you on my podcast, man. Thank you for being here. No, thank you for inviting me, brother. I appreciate it definitely. For, for sure, for sure, man. Yeah, I remember we connected. We met at Meet Em. I think I want to say 2016, 2017. 2016. Yep, it was around, around yep. that time. Wow, mm-hmm. so it's been a it's been a little while. Yeah. Uh and I wanna say I wanna say you you knew Alan Johnston. Do you know Alan? That's how I know that's how you kind of got involved. Yeah. With uh with what we're doing, you know. So yeah, you're familiar with Alan Johnston, the music right. specialist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. I forgot how I came across them, but I mean, you know, when you when you in this space, you you come across a lot of different people, right? So it's like, you know, and I think I was following and I'm like, oh, okay. At the time, I was um, I was managing an artist out of Chicago by the name of Shaw City. So yes, yes, he, yeah, yeah. But he couldn't go. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, this is this is a great opportunity international. Da da da. Right. Yeah, let me do that. Exactly, man. Shout out to Alan Johnston, man. Um, at the time of this recording, I just you know, at the time of this, I just have I just saw Alan. A few weeks back, uh, we spoke at a seminar to get together, oh, the God. New Music Seminar here in Orlando, and it was cool to see him because I hadn't seen him in person in a couple of years, so 
it was cool to get a chance to, to to touch base with him, man. It's always a pleasure because, you know, Al is in his mid to late seventies and still doing it and still having fun, you know. Right. Uh, and that's always great to see. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. For sure, man. So I always like to. So you are originally from D.C., right? Or New yes. York? Uh, D.C. Born and raised in D.C. Born and uh, raised in D.C. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got you. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, but I don't really I don't claim that as home. I'm a native New Yorker, but I left it when I was seven. So I moved to Orlando. So uh, Orlando is really home for me. But most of my family actually still lives in New York City. Okay. Um, my sister grew up here in Orlando. I have two sisters. Uh, one of them grew up here in Orlando with me, my twin sister. But she actually since moved back to New York. So she's been in New York since about 11, 12 years now. And then we have a sister on our dad's side who was growing up in New York. Because my family's from Jamaica. So all my, right. both, both both sides of my family's from Jamaica. So, um, yeah, man. So, so yeah. So um, that's interesting. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and I always love to ask this question, man. Like, what's your, what's your earliest memories of music? What do you kind of remember being introduced to music? Um, I would say, honestly, let me see. Probably like, 12, 13, but to hip hop anyway. Because mm -hmm. um, I was born in 1970. Um, so, you know, in that era, you had like funk, uh, mm -hmm. go go from DC to go go, mm -hmm. uh, definitely. And, and you know, stuff like that. And then I think Curtis Blow was like the first artist I heard. I was like, who is that? It was like, mm -hmm. and then it just kind of rolled on. Um, you know, my one of my one of my older brothers was listening to it. I'm like, damn, this is dope. You know what I'm saying? Because it sounded different. It was like they was talking, but they was rhyming. Um, so and then you know, and then I, you know, I I pretty much, you know, grew a greater affinity for New York because it's like it was like at the time I'm close to Baltimore because Baltimore was like 45, 35, 45, uh, 45 minutes away. But they was playing. It was a station that I got. Um, 92Q or something like that. But either way, it was playing like Dougie Fresh, Run DMC. You know what I'm saying? It was playing Kumo. I'm like, what, I'm like, what is this? this it, it was like dope. It was just like, okay, it was different from what we I was used to. But then I was like, wow, this is my music. And I just, that was, that was, at that point, I was like, this is my music right here. You know what I'm saying? Right. The other stuff was cool. You know, I was listening to light rock and all that. Was it was like, <laughs> like my music. So it was like, I discovered something and it was cool. And then uh, me and the buddy started kind of, trying to rap and stuff like that, like over what we do, we were right over like run DMC lyrics, you know what I'm saying? And then right. like, that's what it was. So, yeah. So I would say yeah, about 13 that I was like, yeah, that's, you know what I'm saying? That's where I really had the affinity uh, for the hip hop music. And then it is, it was a rap from there. For yep. sure. For sure. Cool. So, yeah. So that's interesting. I would love to, I always get very interesting answers when I ask that question. <laughs> so you kind of grew up with music. When did you? So when did you kind of know? Did you did you know you want to be in music professionally, or did you kind of have a different goal in mind as far as um, career wise along the way? You know, I mean, or did you have an idea of okay, I know I want to be involved in music for as an industry professional somehow, some way? Was that kind of the goal for you? Yeah, it was. It was basically um, like I said, me and buddy was we was. You know, doing that, and then I actually started writing my own raps, and then he kind of stopped, and I just kept going. And I say, about the time I was like, yeah, probably 
15, 16, I was like, you know, doing little talent shows, you know, that type of stuff, you know, rapping and connecting with other other uh, uh, guys at high school that rap and stuff like that. And um, I would say probably about like 18, 19. That's why I was like, wow, I want to I want to actually do this. You know what I'm saying? Because at that point, it was just like, you know, it, it, it kept progressing, you know, and I was like, yo, I can do this. And then that's what I was. I, you know, and then I actually got a uh, kind of like a management deal slash record deal. Um with a guy, I think I was around 22, 23, and we did some touring like up and down the East Coast. We me and me and this other guy, we kind of, you know, had a group of stuff like that. So um, okay, I why I freeze. You see me? You hear me? I can hear you. You're frozen, yeah. but I can uh, hear you. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Okay, yeah. Okay. So um, but so I would say, you know, between the ages of 20, about 20, I say 21, about 25. I was actually doing it. And then after 25, I kind of got burnt out. I was like, ah, I want to keep doing it, but I want to learn. I got into more of the business aspect of it. That, 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 that was going to be my next question. Okay. That was okay. going, right, right, right. So where did you kind of know? So you kind of I mean, answered that, you know, what you want to, like, you know, kind of transition and pivot into, like, the business side, you know, because you end up working for a lot of major media companies like Rough Riders, Rockets Records, Luke Records, J Records, just to name a few. Right. You know, so what was kind of your role with some of these companies? You know, we're in the, we're in the mid-90s now, so it's still the old record industry at this point. It, the industry, obviously, is pe people are still trying to get major record deals. This is this is where this is where we're still at. You know, we haven't right. transitioned yep, yep. Uh, in, into the future yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, um, at that time, once I was I like, okay, you know, the rapping thing, I'm like, it was cool. Um, but I was like, you know, I I was good, I wasn't great. It was like, okay, I was good, but it was people definitely better than me. But I was like, well, I want to do this, and I but I wanna I wanna be a part of this industry. I knew I knew I love music, I wanted to be around it. So I'm like, all right, well, I started reading some books. Um, I can't really tell you what they are, but like, you know, like, you. you know, like, you know, like, it was, I forgot the name of the book. It probably come through me once I get off. But either way, you know, uh, whatever the books you were supposed to read at that time, uh, read a couple of them and it was like, okay, find a mentor, find somebody you can intern with. Right. So that's kind of what I did. I was like, okay, I was in DC. And at that time you had, like I said, you had the labels, you had the street teams. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got up with this guy named Brandon. He was at that time. He was he was doing like a lot of different counts. Like he was working with like Death Row and EPA and um um I think Loud Records and it was like a bunch of nice new labels. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so I was working with him. Then I basically built the street team for him. Um, so I I kind of became his right hand man, right? So I built the street team, and then before you know it, I just kind of started like you know like you know you pretty much start building relationships right you still start getting to know the right people so I started getting to know the DJs the 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 uh the promoters the managers of the club you know what I'm saying the bouncers I started doing once I did that um I say about maybe like two three years later I started my own company at the time which was offspring entertainment and that's when like my first um label that I got on my own was Ducktown Records. I don't know if you got it. They're they the only ones I think is still around, Ducktown. Um, okay. And then after that, Rockets kind of came, after Rockets, Rockets kind of came two years later. But once I got Rockets, like, it was like I was in a big league at that point. And then it just like, I started getting like the J Records and the BTs and stuff like that. Because then I became one of the top people in the city 
when it came to like it was like it was almost like the mafia. It was like the five families. I was one of I was one. Of the <laughs> right. So that was kind of cool. So it, it it's like we had everybody had the major accounts and everybody else. You just had the scraps is what it was. You know, you had like mm-hmm. independent labels that was trying to come up. And then those kind of people had that. But everybody like had the Def Jams and the Louds and the this and that. It was always like one of one of the five. And it, and it was crazy. If once if one person lost that count, it is it went to the other one of the four. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of how it went. Yep. So yeah. I got some, some accounts like that too. So people lost them and then they just came to me. I'm a guy. Yeah, you be, you kind of became the, the the guy to know. I mean, it, right, you know, right. interesting, interesting, and interesting, you know. And so then you also so okay, so that takes us kind of into we're still in the '90s at this point. You know, we're still in you know the mid to late '90s, right, under the uh-huh. 2000s at this point. Right. And so then you start working for some other brands like BT, Pepsi. Verizon, Nike. I mean, these these are obviously big names, you right. know. So, so how does how how does those opportunities come about? Like, or, what are some of those lessons that you that you learned there that continue to help you, you know, strive forward and kind of what you're doing within the marketing promotion space? Um, you know, at, at that point was um, you know, I kind of got burnt out, and then I, I literally gave all my accounts to the, the guys that you know that was working under me. Like y'all can have it, y'all know everybody I know. You, you know, it, it was it was it was like it wasn't beneficial anymore. So, so, so in the aspects of taking, I guess, uh, management, um, you know, you know, knowing how to basically interact with people and you know stuff like that, and, and knowing how to build relationships. I took that into those particular roles. So, so I was always like, you know, I, I was able to get like market manager type jobs, right? Because mm-hmm. in basically managing teams of people who could basically go out there and and, and execute, a, you know, you know what I'm saying, um, whether it be giving away free samples, you know what I'm saying, to try to, uh, you know, to, uh, um, bring awareness to a new particular product that brand had, or basically doing events, uh, whether it be, uh, uh, a trade shows or or, or some or fairs or stuff like that um or like when I, I did liquor promotions too you know or basically just really going in there and, and selling product and like i said going and building the relationships and that because i was kind of like lying with the music stuff so right. i did the same thing i just basically went in there and built a relationship with the with the owners of the, the clubs or the managers and then basically it was and then i got it with some promoters um, and then basically gave them sponsorship and stuff like that. So I was able to build that relationship using what I knew from the music industry. So that right. was interesting, right? So you you took more of a corporate approach at that point, you know, with with some of these brands, you know, and that's why it's always like you never know these days, man. You never know how those past experiences can create opportunities through the relationships that you build. That's why relationships is so so important. And it's such a major, major piece in success and entertainment and media and just and just what it is that you're trying to do because you just never know who you're gonna run, who you're gonna run into. You know, so you treat everybody the same, treat everybody with respect, and you just never know. Um, interesting, interesting, interesting. I love that. I love that, man. So, um, cool. And then, so now in 2014, so now. The industry is you kind of chugging along, chugging along, chugging along, and now the industry is kind of shifting, right, to a digital space. 
you know? So now you're kind of going back into the music side, right? Right. But you're shifting more into the digital space. So what kind of gave you the insight to be like, hey, this is kind of what I want to do. I don't want to go back and start with, you know, within the music, but I also want to focus on being digital, becoming a digital marketer, because as you know, that's the toughest part for most creatives is, is the digital marketing side because they're just not built to handle that. You know, they're not built to see the power of social media and content creation and, and all the stuff that we're into now. You know, and those were some of the early days, you know, 2013, 2014. Think about it now in 2023, you know, um, it's a different time. It, even even from when you, when you pivoted in 2014, that it's a even it's a different time of how you approach content because content was 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 introduced at that point, but it wasn't really what it's become full fledged now. Yeah, am I making yeah. sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. And at that time, we were still in that that time that era of you know an artist getting on the right blog would blow up, right? Like uh, right. com or right. Uh, Hip hop DX, you uh, know, one of them top name brands, uh, 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 blogs where you got on them, and then you get if you got on like say like five all the top ones, and it's like, oh, okay, this this all yeah. this low type of thing. So right. we still kind of in that that era where, and then and it's crazy because I went to South by Southwest, and at that time, you know, DJs were still kind of breaking artists, but then something crazy happened. I, I started, I heard a DJ, I was like at allhiphop.com. Cause I knew uh, Steve Ray. Shout out to Steve Ray. Like, Shout out Steve. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Shout out to Steve Ray. That's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's doing his thing now. He's still doing the media stuff, or whatever, like that. For sure, for uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But it was um, it was like some oilhiphop.com showcase or whatever. But either way, I was there, and I was you know, um, and I was kind of talking with people's networking, and I heard a DJ was like, "Yeah, man, you know, you know, what I'm saying like, yeah, man, you know, what I'm saying like, you know, like, yeah, I overheard basically." I overheard him like he's saying he helped the artist, the artist blew up and then kind of forgot about him. So now I'm about to start charging artists. That's kind right. of what the whole point was. Like, and I okay. was like, and then I'm like, what the hell? And then right. I started hearing more and more DJs talk like that. I'm like, okay, so I something is happening here. Right. So it right. like it became a movie, like, yo, you you want us to play your record, you're gonna have to pay us. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. it was like it was a situation where we would break the record and then you kind of forget about it. So that was that was the kind of thing. So I'm like, yeah, stuff is changing. So I was like, wow, DJs used to break records because they love to break records. But now it was like more like you got to pay me to break your record. Yeah. And it is what it is. But the digital marketing side of things, um, I, I, I bought my first course and in this course, it had a bunch of stuff in it. But the, um, the, the, the thing that it was like a bunch of, different stories and stuff like that articles and i i, I rediscovered ryan leslie you know ryan leslie is of course yeah. yeah yeah man we do like yeah. i said we yeah love yeah, ryan yeah. man yeah 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 mm -hmm. sure. yep, yep. so so i kind of was reading his story about you know sign you know i think it was that universal motown i believe and, uh -huh. them, and he was like yo well i want to be i want to be indie yeah so i want to yeah, yeah, i want to yeah. be in right well for what i remember at that time, so 2010 was his last release on a major label. And what happened was, so he's like, yo, well, we released on this, we released on this label. So the first go around, just we sold X amount of X amount of albums. While all of a sudden right. now for the next go around, we're selling less with the people that we already reached out to the first time. Mm 
So his right, premise right. was his premise was if we sold a hundred and let's say we see so I think it was 160,000 units the first go around. Why are we selling less than that? The same go around because the record companies at that point didn't understand, did didn't pay attention to one to one data. You didn't really know because you you sold based off value. You sold based on vibes. You really didn't know who your people really were. Nobody was was paying attention to that. Right. Nobody yeah. was paying attention to that. Where it's like, okay, you knew really knew who your number one supporter was. I think Ryan kind of was adopted the the premise of the mentality of understanding the power of data, what that yep. data could really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. In helping independent artists make better business decisions towards building their careers, you know, you know, so everybody was still trying to operate in the space of, you know, get a record deal, and, and we just and we just we're selling based off, we're selling from a macro perspective, but Ryan was focused more on micro, and yep. understanding who those people were. So yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, 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 definitely, precisely. And he was like, he knew basically. He was saying. They knew who his fans were. I guess. I mean, I don't know if they knew, like, from a data standpoint, but they knew. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. For what I know, they did. They, the label could never, because again, nobody. This is these. This is numbers. Nobody cared about. Nobody cared at that time about who your number one supporter was. Like nobody cared. Like if you went to Apple, to iTunes, and you sold, and people bought albums on iTunes at the time, iTunes could not tell you or would not tell you who actually bought your record. Yeah, where they're from, so then you could go repurpose that person and actually talk to them and yep. build with them over time. That wasn't something people did. It was like okay, yeah. and we all could we only really base success off of what the, the the scale of platinum, you know, gold, diamond, and what that really meant, right? Because only in the record business, this is how you know how crazy the record business is. In any other industry, you sell half a million product of anything. That's a pretty good product. <laughs> but yeah, in the record, yeah. but in, but in the record business, if you sell less than five hundred thousand albums at the time, you know the old industry that was considered a, a, a fail, a failed project. You know because because labels will put so much money into a project, and not understanding this is we're really selling emotion. You know what people don't realize. Is you're in a you're in a business as an artist as a creator of selling emotion and people have to buy into that emotion, you know. And, and so so they didn't really focus on the actual core of who you're actually again. Like I said before, the data of who was buying your stuff, and I think that was where once Ryan started to focus on that and understood the power of the one to one engagement. Yep. Direct the direct direct the fan, you know. That's why Xavier yeah. Keys, you remember him, the artist that I, you know uh, that I brought to me. Them, that's why he kind of built his audience uh, early on at that time. Is going one to one. So if you were to look at his numbers from an industry perspective, okay, well he don't have a lot of stream, not understanding, but he ended up selling five thousand albums in 2015, 2016, mm. which wasn't really being done at the time. Like nobody yeah. was was buying albums and he was personally being mentored at this whole time he was doing this he was personally being mentored by Ryan you know because Superphone was really a new concept of, right. you know very, very very new concept that people really had didn't grasp the power of text-based marketing and yep. the power of that 
and understanding the data and because nobody had a phone that actually knew had and, and I would know if you ever texted it would tell you hey you've never texted me before but add your name add your number to my phone book so we could say you, you most people's cell phone providers and cell phone cell phones can't give you that type of information and yep. Ryan understood the power of segmentation and understand how to actually group certain people or off that or important people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. uh yeah, so I feel you. I feel yeah, you. yeah, definitely. Now you have tools that can actually do that yeah. um as well. Um and that's kind of what I uh I specialize in outside of the ads and stuff like that. There's automation systems and processes, stuff like that. To be sure. able to pull off and build off of what Ryan did and then take it to the next level. You know so what I'm saying? Let's, let's talk about that for a second. You okay. know, let's talk about automations and let's talk about ads. You know, because here, here, here's the problem that I see a lot of times with a lot of these gurus on social media. They talk about, oh, just run ads. I, I think mm -hmm. ads are great. I think once you, once you get to a certain point, mm -hmm. I don't think an artist first starting out should be totally focused on ads when they first start coming out with their music in today's space. That's just my personal opinion. That's why I teach more of the fundamental pieces in my framework. I don't really focus on ads. Uh, but this this is this is why I, I love when talking to you and we're working on something that I, I'm working on something that I'm going to be bringing you in. We haven't announced it yet. So I won't announce it on this podcast just yet. But you know, okay. but you know what, what I reached out to you about because right. I'm excited about that because that's ads is not my expertise. And I don't think I think ads are great. I just don't think that should be the first thing creatives are are focusing on when trying to figure out who their audience is, if that makes sense. Right, right. Well, the thing is, when it comes to ads, it's just more, it just helps speed up the process. That's all. So um, if you have everything dialed in, you know who your audience is, um, you know, you're, you're posting, you know, uh, relevant content that's engaging and stuff like that, um, then you can, you can, all it is is like pulling, pouring gasoline on what you're already doing to accelerate whatever, right? So, um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, you you probably you know because ads can get expensive depending on what you're doing. I'm, I'm about to start a new process by which um, I'm gonna use a more of a viral campaign that basically even even basically um, accelerate it even more. So instead of like running the ad, like conditionally, this is how it works out. You run brand awareness ads, right? So say that you have three pieces of content. It could be a video, lyric video. It could be behind the scenes or rehearsals. And you just kind of running ads to basically let people not not to say, you know, let people just kind of understand who you are, but more so discover you, right? It's like because they don't even look like ads. It's just like, what is this in my time? Yeah, like? yeah, yeah, and that's the goal. Yeah, right. And for what I for what I've told you in my research is you don't want to ever feel like you don't wake it up where somebody feel like they're selling something to you. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just more of like, yeah, it's more. So that's kind of what I did. I just ran, I ran like, you know, and I've did, done this, you know, multiple times and it works. You just run it. People start seeing it like, oh, wow, this is cool. And like, what is this? And they, if they like it, they're going to comment on it, they're going to share it, they're going to, you know, all that stuff like that. And that's what you want. But on the back end, what you're doing, you're collecting data points so you can basically send them to a landing page so they can opt in, right? They can opt yeah. in, get the name, email address, phone and, number. And, uh, and, that, and that creates the funnel. Right. And so and that's, and that's the thing with a lot of artists, you know, again, one of the things that I teach in my framework is top of funnel, you know, and, and what that really means and the power and why an artist needs a funnel. 
why is sales funnels important? You know, one of the main things that I think is tough for a lot of creatives today is they don't understand that sales is a part of the game. Yeah, big time. And and how you have to set that up. You cannot be afraid to not sell. And I think when you talk about top of funnel and sales and and, and, and reaching different entry points or different levels of the funnel and then also then converting that funnel, creators' brain, they start to get a little like, I don't want to do all that. I just want to make records. <laughs> and understanding like that's just the nature of the game like because eventually you have to be able to ask for the money. Yep. I think a lot of them struggle with that theme. I think a lot of creatives, which is why people, obviously people like you have a job because I mean, you've got to make it easier right, for right, you right. to do that. But Top of Funnel is so important because it's social media, what social media does, it, it creates awareness. So I always say everything we do starts on social. And then we have to take that and migrate that from social to a platform that the, the artist or the creative owns there and controls. Go. Yep, yep, yep. Because that's the, that's the game changer. Because yep. you don't control Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, WhatsApp, whatever do you call, you know, whatever it is. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so, but you do control your email, you control your website, you yep. do control your tech, your text marketing. Yep. And so these are all platforms that you can control how people see you and when they see you. So um, I think that's why it's important for funnels and understand how that works and understanding why the funnel is important. And ultimately, if the funnel is built right, you can almost set it and forget it. Yep. That's, you know, mm-hmm. you know. It's convert. And that, that's like you said, you got because you have the top, you have the middle and obviously the bottom where the conversion, whatever the conversion yeah. is, sale or opt in or whatever. Usually it's a sale or opt in. Those those are the two. Absolutely. Yeah, it, absolutely. And I love that, man. And we definitely what, what I'm working on. I'm definitely want to bring you in on some some stuff and. And, and definitely have you kind of talk more about that in depth, you know, because part of, you know, part of my coaching program, I, I I talk about it from a macro perspective, but somebody like you that does a, that primarily focuses on ads and things like that um, is really important. You know, it's really important to bring people in who are considered experts like yourself that really have studied that stuff and understand the power of that because it doesn't take a whole lot of people for independent artists to make money in this game, but you have to know who you're talking to and why you're talking to them, which is why we do what, why I talk about brand positioning statements and the buyer fan persona and why we do the content publishing calendar and all the things that we do in my framework. These are not new concepts, you know, but all my colleagues uh, you included, I'm sure, teach them stuff like this, but we all just call it something different. <laughs> right, right. Definitely. You know? It's just marketing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, think that, I think there's enough room for all of us to be able to do what we love to do and still um, still make a difference because people like people or they like businesses. You know what yeah. I mean? If somebody goes and works with Fahim, it's because they like you, not because you're the only game in town that's doing it, because right. you're not the only game in town that's doing it right. and right. good at it. You right. know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool.
you know what you're doing, bro. Like, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're doing your thing. You're speaking that advance and you got the pot. Hey, man, I'm just trying to do. I'm just trying to do what I do. Just trying to do what I do, man. Give me one second. Okay. You guys, we're back. Sorry about that. So yeah, man. Um, yeah. So, so I think abs. I think all that is so so important at the right time. You know what I mean? I think I don't want because it's with social media today gets so confusing, and I think that's I think that's where a lot of artists struggle because everybody now on social media is a guru. Oh, yeah. Everybody is a guru. You know yep. what I mean? No, because we made it so easy now because you don't sometimes you don't know who to trust. You don't know who to um who to believe because what I try to tell people too is everything in our in the entertainment industry is not not backed by a transaction. What I mean is you have to build relationships. You can't just tell somebody off the bat, hire me, hire me, pay me, and they don't know you. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It yeah. doesn't work like that. I everything you do. Is not backed immediately by a check. You can't approach this game that way. If everything we did was say, if every action we took, if every time we stepped outside to, to do something involved in entertainment or, and we wanted to get a check from it every single time, we probably never accomplished anything because you can't do it that way. Just the rules are different. You cannot take a traditional approach um, in a traditional corporate approach to entertainment doesn't really work. You know what I mean? True. Yeah, yeah. That it's definitely yeah. It's about uh like you said, building relationships. People have to know like and trust you to be even want to give you any money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so exactly. You gotta you gotta warm them up and like, wow, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. Okay, let me see, you know, let me go ahead and that's why you get them into your top top of your funnel and then you just <laughs> take them through the process and then at the end, either they you they opt in for something and you further build that on that relationship. And then ultimately the goal is to sell them something, but you want them to feel like they they made the decision on their own, right? Versus like, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to sell them. You want to be like, they sold themselves like, wow, he knows what he's talking about. I like what he's doing. I see, you know, you may you got some social proof. Um, you help other people, stuff like that. Right. Um, I feel comfortable in, 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 in definitely, you know, um, you know, you know, spending money with this particular person. So yeah, 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 I agree. Exactly, um, and and even in the in the ad space, what people don't realize is is and where a lot of things people I think also too, not only is work struggle, but you have to you have to have not only you have to pay people like yourself, but you have to have the money for the ad spend. Yeah. In order, because we have to do what they call, I'm not an expert in this, but we have to do what they call A-B testing, mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. Because every ad, every piece of, every ad you put together, some convert stronger than others. Yep. You yep. have to test things out. So it's, it's not as simple as, oh, we tried this ad, it didn't work, or it worked, it didn't work. So there's a lot of things that go into running ads. It's not just as simple as, I run an ad, why is it not, why is it not working? Because... Sometimes you, you know, there's no guarantee that we know if it's going to convert. You know, it, it, it's a trial and error type of thing. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of creative struggle with it because, you know, like, damn, you told me to do ads and we're doing ads and it's, but the ads is not going well. You know, there's nobody can guarantee you. At the end of the day, this is art. 
Nobody can guarantee you how somebody else is supposed to perceive your art. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. And, and, and that really, when it comes to ads, like I said, it's not an exact science. Like you said, you have to do the A-B split testing because um, it may be a, 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 it may be a headline. It may be what the words you're talking about. It may just be you putting in front of the wrong people, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of different variables that can, can go into making the ad successful or not successful. So if you don't know that, like you said, you want to just run an ad, like, man, this stuff don't work. You know what I'm saying? And then you get frustrated. You get a lot of just businesses in general. Like I've talked to, you know, working with businesses, credit repair, realtors, whoever. Yeah. And they, oh, yeah, I ran the ads, but yeah, it didn't work. And at the end of the day, they kind of dismiss it. Like, no, it works. It's just that you didn't know what you were doing. And that's, yeah. not, that's not a slight on guess. You just that you got to understand this is a science. It is what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. If that was the case, then people like you and me wouldn't exist, right? If right. And I'm not an expert in that. I don't even teach that because it's not something that I've focused on. You know, I've right. I focused more on the foundational pieces. Like, for me, what I've, one of the first things we do in my process is what we call the artist profile. Right. That's who you are as an artist. Because, yes, the end goal is social media. But we have right. to first know who you are. Why are you who you are? Within that, you talk about the brand positioning statement. The three elements of the brand positioning statement, the community that you want to serve, the niche community that you want to serve, who you are, why somebody care. Because that is your elevator pitch. Once you understand that information, that's already going to separate you, separate you from the rest of the pack. That's your competitive advantage. So a lot of artists don't even do this stuff. Like, and this is a, something I actually learned back in my college days from my old college professor. And I still use it because it's something that a lot of people don't really teach because we either go right from the studio to the Internet. But they don't actually know these days why they do what they're doing. They don't know who their audience is. A lot of times people say they don't like social media because they don't know who they're talking to. Yep. I think social media is, it, it, it's, if used correctly, it's a very powerful tool. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's, it's like... The thing is, with social media, like you said, they don't artists don't understand how to use it because once again, they don't. They, they're basically um, they either following the wrong people or the wrong people are following them, right? Yeah. It's, it's, if like you said, going down, niching down, micro niching down, yeah, uh, and basically talking to the people that you really want to talk to, and actually people that want to hear what you have to say, right? Then now, guess what? The the content you you post is going to get a lot more engagement because you're speaking to the audience that want to hear what you have to say. So yeah. that's the big thing with social media. And then when it comes to um um uh, you know posting stuff, what happens is with these algorithms on these platforms, typically what happens is we post something, they show it to a small amount of people, and then if you get a certain amount of engagement, they'll open that up and show it to a bigger amount of people, and then it just keeps going. That's kind of how your, so your stuff is let, let me ask you a question: How big are you on brand colors, stuff like that? You know, how do you feel about that type of stuff? That's something that you when you're working with clients. Cause I don't know how deep you, I don't know how, do you kind of go into the fundamental piece like I talked about when you first worked with a client? Do you talk to them about the power of, of brand colors and why it's important and branding and using the same type of, same type of color scheme versus where like, for instance, you, if your website color scheme should match the same color scheme you use on social media, that's something that you talk about. That's something that is important to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, a brand definitely needs an identity, right? You need yeah. you, it, you gotta have that. I, I know when I was managing, 
I remember I was managing this artist uh, in North Carolina. His name was K.O. Bracey. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, at, at that time, we were still in that, you know, you, 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 we remember coast to coast, you know what I'm saying? Coast to coast. They was doing good, and then they, just, they got onto the scam tip, but that's a whole yeah. different story. Right. <laughs> but when we first used them, it it, it it blew them up. Like, I ain't going to lie. It was like, wow, we spent like a thousand some dollars. Yeah, it was it was crazy. But yeah. So I said, all right, well, you you know, you got a bunch of artists in your city. He was in, Grand, I think, Greensboro, North Carolina. Dope mm-hmm. artists, too. I mm-hmm. said, all right, well, we got to separate you. So, all right, start wearing purple. So okay. this was, that was like his brand. So people started seeing him. He had purple shirts, purple hat, whatever. So he was he even had, a, uh, I think, a, a mixtape, all purple, everything. <laughs> what are you saying? Right. <laughs> okay. Because people was like, oh, that's the guy. Oh, that's, you know what I'm saying? Because And I learned, even with, even with, um, um, it was this was it was it was just by name when I uh, at the, back in the day when I was doing you know out in the streets it was like either they knew me by Offspring Entertainment or Fahim so when somebody say yo you know Fahim oh yeah that guy from Offspring Entertainment or you know Offspring Entertainment oh yeah 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 that guy Fahim yeah he do you know what I'm saying so yeah kind of when I learned like oh wow this thing like yeah like having that recognition whether it be you know your name your colors or whatever like that that's that's very important definitely. Yeah, I, I preach that all the time. I should be like, that is important to be the people because it's all about people remembering, like they remember they associate you with these colors. And yeah. it's just it's a it, it's a sense of being just familiar. You know what I mean? So I think that's so important. So that's why I said so when I'm teaching stuff on how to build because my whole the premise of my whole personal brand is how to build a core audience because I think that's the only thing that really matters for independent artists. I think the only way you can survive in today's game because everybody's not going to get a record deal. Everybody's not going to sign a record deal. Everybody's not going to have a massive career. This is just the numbers don't allow for it. Like it's too many people trying to do this for everybody to be able to scale massively. It's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? So, so, but if you can find your audience and focus on them, that's the key. You know, so that's why for me, a core audience is everything. And that's why that's the premise of why I teach what I teach. But if you can kind of figure out the core audience thing, you can figure out how to become successful. Because I also believe in going to the small, I was in Fort Pierce, Florida last night, the time I was recording for a really small town. We was at this small little club doing an event. Theo Lodge was doing an event at the small little club. And so all of the event, and it's like there's a showcase there. And I, he was telling people, like, if you can't do it on this small stage, there's no way you can do it on the big stage. Yep. That, and, that so, is- and so many artists want to go to the biggest stage with everybody there. And it's not always. I always tell people, tell artists, go to the small bars, go to the small events where there's 15, 20 people there and give them a hell of a show. Yep. They'll remember you. And they'll tell their friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. So many people want to do the Rolling Louds, the South by Southwest. They want to be, and the truth is, they're not ready for those type of stages, but they just think because they want to be around the most, the, a massive amount of people, and they're, they're just not ready for that. Yep. You know, they're just not ready for that, you know? And, and it, being global matters. So I just think it's important to go to the small events, do the small shows, do the small stage. That's all the fundamentals matter, you know, and understanding why you're doing what you're doing. And then when you put all those things together from, like I said, the artist profile, after that, we talk about the buyer fan persona, which is 
actually now we have to actually identify what a, what somebody in your core audience looks like. So we would call this a fan avatar, right? So when yeah. you do that, now I didn't know who you're talking to because it's the demographics versus the psychographics. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody focuses on the demographics, but I care more about the psychographics. That goes, but that's what really matters more than the demographics. So yep. it's stuff like that that I that I'm sure that you teach as well. Uh, you might call it something different, but so you know you. YouTube and that stuff like that, that that should be taught so that we can make it a little bit easier for creatives to understand the fundamentals versus just saying, run a bunch of ads and why is my fan base growing? Because I'm running ads and people tell me run ads. It's like, not yet. <laughs> like, because I think it sends the wrong message when it's time to run ads because then they've been running ads, it's not working. When it's the reason why it's not because you don't know who your audience is yet, you haven't keen in on your messaging yet. Have you yeah. keen in on why the problems that you're solving? That's another key piece. The problem that you're solving for your audience. Once you understand that, that's also a game changer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be able to solve a problem you know, or give some type of value because other than that, like why why would anybody would care, you know, well, why would they care? So exactly. So yeah. <laughs> so and then when it comes about going back to the artist. Like if you, if you can't, you know, you had artists that were selling, you know, they were selling out like fifty people venues, a hundred, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. venues and making money that way because it's like you know, it, like you said, you have to start small because you can you can scale it up. Um, yeah. And then you know, um, I forgot the I, I forgot the name. Maybe it was it Bryce Tiller, Brian Tiller, whatever. I don't know. Bryce like, Tiller. Bryce Tiller. I think it was like, but I, I don't think it was him. I think it was somebody else. But it was like I remember watching the interview. It was like his manager was like, "Yeah, you know, labels what they was they was checking for us, but they wanted to take seventy percent of the pie." He said, "Why? You know, I said, why are we gonna give them seventy percent of the pie? We could take a hundred percent of the pie." You know what I'm saying? So we mm-hmm. what they were doing, they were using the analytics from from Spotify, and they were going into these venues and you know say, "Okay, like you had the hundred, maybe two hundred at the most," and say, "Okay." You know, and they would go make a deal with, I guess, the uh, manager or whatever and say, mm-hmm. well, you know, we keep the door, you get the bar or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And they would sell these venues out and then obviously they would sell merchandise and stuff like that. And they kind of go from there. So um, so basically, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it can be done for sure. It definitely can be done. For sure, man. Yeah, it's, it's important, man. So what so what you do, man, in the ad space is very, very, very important. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here to talk about that because, again, it's not my expertise, so to say, but part of what I do is find people that do know that stuff. And I try to use my podcast. I don't want to let you tell people, let them tell their story, but as well as try to try to use the, uh, this time to teach and share knowledge that people can take and use to help themselves, man. So, yeah, man, before we get out of here, man, what, what do you have coming up next and where can people find you? Um, right now, um, um, I'm working, um, about to work on some campaigns, uh, some viral campaigns where I'm about to start testing out that because that's going to have going to generate a lot more, uh, traffic, um, and subscribers for, for the artists. Um, pretty much they can find me on, um, uh, Instagram, strike first ENT at strike first ENT. Um, just like it's spelled out strike first ENT. And, um, yeah. And then basically hit me up, you know, if you want to learn more about, um, you know, um, you know, ads and, and funnels and, and and basically how to grow a fan base. You know what I'm saying? Using those type of strategies. Um, yeah. Just holler at me. 
For sure, for sure. Like I said, I'm excited for what I'm working on. I will be bringing Fahim in to definitely come in and really, you know, doing some deep dives into that process to give people, um, to give the people that are that join the program that I'm putting together uh, the ability to just learn more about that. So I'm excited about that, guys. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode, another episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Darrell Peart. I'm out of here. Peace. Yeah.